This show is created for adult audiences only. Our show notes include content warnings and other helpful information. We strongly recommend taking a moment to assess the situation before continuing. Let's begin. Episode 128 The Poplic Monster A Reimagining The Cryptid Corner Paranormal Team packed their bags as they were about to embark on a trip they had planned on for the last year. This trip consisted of visiting every area known for cryptids from the east to the west coast. They had mapped every area and every single stop of the trip to make sure they didn't miss a thing. Andrew packed the last remaining supplies at his pack. The only thing missing was his camera. Meanwhile, Joseph better known to his friends by Joe, was getting everything packed in the van. Sarah, who was always early, showed up to help Joe pack up. This was her first trip out to investigate into the paranormal and the unknown. She was very excited. To her, this was a -a once-in-a-lifetime trip. Joe and Andrew had been investigators for the last two years and had seen their fair share of the paranormal. Although this trip was different, to them, it felt all too familiar. As Sarah and Joe packed the remaining bags into the van, Andrew walked up behind them. Are you guys ready to see some crazy shit? He said to them. Andrew was a very extroverted person and was the most outgoing of the group. He, of course, arrived fashionably late. It was his style. Sarah, whom was unpacking her camera and some other equipment, looked at Andrew and said, Drew, always a pleasure. Although she said it smiling, her eyes told another story. The three packed into the van and left their southern Indiana town and set course for Louisville, Kentucky, the first stop on their cross-country tour. It was a hot day. The sun bled down on their Ford Transit as they made their way through the rugged Kentucky hillside. Joe drove while Sarah and Andrew applied the final touches to their first investigation into the Poplic Monster, better known as the Kentucky Goatman. This was the one that they had all been looking forward to for a long time. The idea of a half-man, half-goat really made them excited and ready to dive in. After a few hours of driving, they decided to camp for the night at a nearby campsite, just outside Fisherville in Louisville. They wanted to prepare themselves for their first investigation the next day. After they were settled into their campsite, they decided to start a fire and have a couple of drinks. The night had cooled down the otherwise hot day, and they all sat around the campfire. 
passing around a bottle of whiskey. While examining the bottle about to take a drink, Sarah looked at the group and said, So this Poplik monster, what exactly is he or she? As she proceeded to take a drink from the bottle. Jill looked over at her and chuckled, about to speak. Before she knew, Andrew chimed in. You mean the goat man? He said with a smirk. The public monster is really creepy. Joe looked at Andrew and continued his statement. The goat man actually has several origins, all dating back many years ago. Are you ready to have your sock scared off? Andrew said as he looked at Sarah in excitement. I, uh... Yes, she replied in a half-laugh, half-anticipatory response. All three then turned their heads to look at the fire as Joe told the story of the Poplik monster. There are multiple possible origins of the Poplik monster. In one story, they say he was a part of a traveling circus or a sideshow act. He was often mistreated by everyone and became the laughingstock of the show. After being mistreated and mocked for so long, he became very angry and hostile. One day, the train the circus crew were on derailed while going over the Poplik train trestle, and he escaped. Now he lives under the train trestle, luring unsuspecting victims in to seek revenge, Joe said with a smile. Sarah looked at Andrew and Joe, clearly unimpressed. That doesn't make any sense. Why would he want revenge all these years later? And how does he live under the trestle? It doesn't add up. Andrew started laughing and spit his whiskey into the fire. It doesn't have to make sense, he said. It's supposed to be scary. Joe looked back at Sarah and said, Like I said, there are multiple possible origins. That is just one of them. Andrew then interrupted him. Okay, if you don't like that one, listen to this. He then leaned back and looked up at the sky and began, This one is even more weird. Some people believe the goat man was the product of a man and a goat, he said as he began laughing hysterically. That is so disgusting and so not possible. You guys are fucked up. Sarah replied as she flipped the ashes from her cigarette into the fire. Joe looked over at her with a slight smirk. Yeah, that one is even a bit far-fetched for me, too. The two exchanged glances for a moment and then looked back at the fire. Alright, this one is my favorite origin story. I think it makes the most sense and explains the real truth behind the Poplik monster. Make yourselves comfortable, Joe said as he took a quick drink from the bottle. Many years ago, Oh, there was a farmer going through a streak of bad luck. He had had bad crop yields for the last several seasons and was struggling to make ends meet with his family. It became so terrible, he was prepared to make a deal with the devil. He asked the devil to always have successful crops. In exchange, he would offer his soul. The devil agreed to his terms under one condition. The farmer must slay his entire herd of goats. The farmer agreed and returned home to slaughter every last goat on his farm. He then returned to the devil to let him know that he had done as asked. 
The devil then decided not to hold up his end of the deal, and turned the farmer into a half-man, half-goat. Although the farmer's crops thrived from that point onward, he could never do anything about it. This made the man angry and vengeful, much like in the other story. The half-man, half-goat chose to live under the Pope Lick train trestle to seek revenge. It is said that you can often hear him late at night. Some say he can imitate voices and persuade people to come to the train trestle. After that point, he would either talk them into killing themselves by jumping off, or he would consume the souls of random victims. Others say he waits at the top of the trestle and jumps down onto unsuspecting passers-by. Everyone became very silent, and the overwhelming sound of the crackling of the fire and cicadas and crickets chirping off in the distance became the soundtrack to their lull in conversation. Joe looked at Sarah and could see the concerned look on her face. Are you okay? he asked. She looked up at him and replied, Yeah, I'm just processing still. After a minute, she continued, Do you think we will be safe? By this time, Andrew was finishing off the bottle of whiskey and decided to chime in. Of course we will be safe. It's just an urban legend. That's what makes it fun. Just relax, dude. Sarah stood up and said, I'm going to call it a night and walked off to the van. Joe and Andrew sat in silence for a few more minutes before deciding to go to sleep for the night. The next day, they all awoke around 11 a.m. and started packing up to head into Fisherville. They decided to stop at a nearby diner on the way to grab an early lunch before heading to the trestle. As they finished eating, they asked a couple of the locals if they were familiar with the Popelick monster. Yeah, they've been telling that story since I was a kid. I grew up around here, I ain't never seen it though, and I don't want to, one man said. Another responded by saying, You don't want to go out there. They have it locked off now so no one can get in, but they always find a way. Poor girl not too long ago fell off at the top of the train trestle and died. She ain't the only one either. Some people can say you can hear screams and all kinds of weird noises out there at night. These were the types of responses they were looking for. They finished their interviews and headed to the trestle. After a short drive, they arrived and parked their van a little up the road. They decided to check it out first and take everything in before they started their investigation. There was a road that went under the trestle along with the walkway next to the road. They took the walkway so they could get as close as they could. The trestle was huge and stood almost 100 feet high at the center, and roughly 750 feet in length. The seasons had definitely taken its toll on the trestle as it was very weathered and rusted. It appeared very unsafe. Sarah looked up at the center of the trestle while squinting due to the brightness of the sun, and said, We aren't trying to go up on that thing, right? Andrew and Joe both laughed in response. (laughs) Why not, replied Andrew. Joe interjected, No, we aren't risking our lives by climbing it. We will stay down here and try to get some good shots. 
They all then returned to the van to grab some of their gear. By this time, it was about 3 p.m., and the sun was beating down on them. For being early October, it was still very hot, and the humidity was very high that day. After they had everything they needed, they walked back to the trestle. Each member of the group carried their own cameras and equipment, so they could get as much footage as possible. They started at the bottom of the trestle, getting shot after shot of the underside, and the area where it was said that many have fallen or jumped to their deaths. They wanted to make sure they had as much daytime footage as they could get, because they were going to come back at night to get more. They found the gate that had been padlocked shut that led to the top of the trestle. One by one, they slipped through the opening in the gate and decided to walk around the outside of the trestle, making sure not to get too close or climb to the top. The area was very overgrown and the fear of snakes and small animals lurking in the brush was very evident. They then decided to go back down below the trestle. At that time, a Norfolk Southern train passed overhead. They could feel the ground shake beneath them, and could see the trestle lightly sway with the weight of the train. It was unsettling how safe it looked. After they were satisfied with the footage they had gotten, and after being there for about two hours, they decided to go get some food and cool off for a while. After wasting a couple of hours by getting food and walking through the town, they decided to head back to the trestle. By this time, the sun had went down and it was getting dark quickly. They stopped at a nearby convenience store to get some drinks and snacks to get them through the next few hours. While at the store, they asked the clerk about the Popelik monster. You know, I really don't believe in it. I think it was probably some scary bedtime story parents would tell their children to keep them from getting out of bed at night. It's an urban legend, and I think that's all it is. But just the other night, someone came in here saying they were going out to check out the trestle. I don't know if they ever made it or if they left, but they never came back in, the clerk stated. They thanked the man and left the store to head back to the trestle. They brought along flashlights as visibility was becoming less and less the darker it got. All right, guys. Let's stick together so no one gets lost out here, Joe said to the group. I've got my walkie. I'll be fine. I want to see if I can lure the goat man out, replied Andrew as he walked away from the group. So much for staying safe, Joe thought to himself as he and Sarah walked along the creek side beneath the trestle. They both turned on their flashlights and kept their cameras rolling as they walked all around the area. As much as they hoped to hear or see any signs of the Popelik monster, all they heard and saw was nature. There was nothing out of the ordinary. However, there was the overwhelmingly creepy feeling of knowing so many had died there. After a while of looking around and collecting footage, they decided to reach out to Andrew over the walkie. Before they could hit the call button, Andrew came over the radio. Guys! Guys, there's something or someone out here. Joe responded. This isn't the time to joke around, Drew. Where are you? He then responded once more. Is that you? Is that... And the line went dead. Joe tried to get him back on the walkie, 
But despite his efforts, there was no response. By this time, they were very worried, although they couldn't help but to think that he was messing with them. They decided to search for him, which was very difficult to do in the dark. They searched for Andrew for what seemed like hours to no avail. They were very concerned and starting to get scared. Do you think... Sarah asked Joe. No, he replied. His walkie probably died and he is probably lost. We will find him. As they neared the road under the trestle, they spotted Andrew's camera lying on the ground along with his pack. However, he was nowhere to be found. All of a sudden, they heard a scream from overhead and could faintly see what appeared to be a man at the top of the trestle. In the distance, they could hear the sound of a train horn and felt the rumbling under their feet. They shined their flashlights up at the person. It was Andrew, and he was on all fours on the track at the top of the trestle. Get down from there! Hurry! A train is coming! They yelled to him but he wouldn't budge. They both ran to the padlocked gate and slipped through to try to climb to the trestle and help their friend. At that time, it was too late. The train quickly approached the trestle and stopped them from going any further. They heard another scream that quickly ended when their friend hit the ground. They reported the accident to local authorities and after being questioned for some time, they left the area to return home. There was no desire to continue their trip. The entire drive home was met with silence, as the two, still in shock, could not speak about what had happened. A few weeks later, Joe decided to look through the footage from Andrew's camera. He was completely shocked by what he found. He called Sarah to ask her to meet him. She agreed and was there shortly after. I know this is hard, but you will never believe what I found. He wasn't lying. It was real. All of it. Welcome, campers, to Campfire Tales of the Strange and Unsettling. We're your hosts. I'm Ryan. And I'm Jordan. And now, the debrief. So... The Poplik Monster. Poplik Monster. Yep. Classic goat man. <laughs> You're hybrid, of course. There, yep. Right. No, this is a crazy story. The like Kentucky, I swear Kentucky and West Virginia are like packed with cryptids. I mean, it makes sense. There's a there's obviously a, it's another hot spot. Yeah. So, yep. you know, something's always going on in Kentucky. Always. <laughs> I don't know what okay. it is about the area, but I think I need to go to Kentucky at this point. Yeah, I mean, it's what, like a five-hour drive from us? I mean, Louisville is only four hours from here. Yeah. Um, uh, Four, four and a half hours, whatever. But so, like, the Fisherville area is just a suburb or a neighborhood off of Louisville. So right. it's technically part of Louisville, but it's just, yeah, just a small yeah. little area. Um, you know, very small population. But again, it's basically a neighborhood with this train trestle, a uh, gas station, and some homes. Like, that's that's basically yeah. all they have going on for them. A ville within a ville. Exactly. So, like, obviously, in the story, you laid out a few possible origins, right, of this yes. goat man, this public monster. 
So I actually really dig the circus explanation. I like the circus idea too. It wasn't as in depth though. Um, that was my yeah. only that was my only issue with it is like even even diving in and trying to get as much information as I can on like the whole circus aspect was he was basically just a sideshow freak you know yeah um and you know and he was one that wasn't uh he was more so overlooked and he was more so mocked and you know people made fun of him and didn't care to actually like look into it or pay attention to him and you know and that that really off you know was off-putting to him so and that's where the idea of you know the um the train that they were all on this whole circus crew derailed uh, by going over the public trestle uh um, right you know and then at that point he escaped and just chose to live his days under the trestle apparently no i kind of you know and there's something that i find inherently humorous about a circus train crash right like i'm picturing <laughs> like uh like the train cars are all painted you know like like with pictures of lions and clowns and of course stuff yeah all over the you side. have to set the scene right and you know i picture it like derailing and going over the side it makes like a like a slide whistle noise as it goes off the side yep exactly (laughs) yeah i like that idea i also think of it like a clown car where it's just this little tiny thing and all these just you know all these guys just come come pouring out and you have this half man half exactly apparently he was quite angry because that would have been like early 1900s yep exactly So, like, he's spent the last 80 years living under this bridge. Yeah. Just reckon. I personally, I love the the deal with the devil story. That, to me, is my favorite origin. Um, Just because, like, to me also, it makes the most sense. It also describes everything a lot more in detail. And gives yeah. him a reason. I mean, other. I mean, I I get being you know disgruntled at the fact that the people don't give a shit about your show, but. Sure. You know, this farmer that's having bad luck and has had consistent bad luck for, you know, so many seasons makes a deal with the devil to improve his crop yields. And then in turn, the devil just turns back on him. Is like, nope, this is you. You can you can have your crops, but you can also live out your days as a half goat, half man, you know, right. which, you know, the killing of all the goats, that part is a little kind of off putting, but it also kind of makes sense why he would turn him into a half man, half goat. Yeah. So I mean going back on his deal you know pretty rude devil (laughs) but it's also the devil so you know he's a trickster yeah not surprising exactly so yeah that that one i i definitely i i definitely i I sway more towards just because like i said it just makes the most sense and i think it's the most detailed account or origin and most compelling exactly it's definitely very compelling and you know, holds a lot more ground than, uh, you know, this guy that fucked a goat, basically. Like, right. that to me, I think, is absurd. And that could sure. never happen. You know, like... Yeah. But that's also one of the origins, like, that people say. Right. Which I think is just absurdly silly, you know. But, again, I had to throw it in there because it is, you know, another possible word. Yeah, I mean, I think... I never really gave a ton of consideration to to the public monster as far as cryptids go, but like this is you know we can't we can't overlook the fact that this is it. one of the exactly. few cryptids with a with an actual body count too. Yes, like people have people have what is it like three or four people at least confirmed have so, died while at least while in search. 
there it, are a right? lot. Um, uh, there's actually a lot over. Uh, so what? 2016. There was a 26 year old uh, guy from from Ohio. Uh, that died after being hit by the train while searching for the public monster. Right. Um, or uh, it was a girl. Sorry, it was a girl. Her boyfriend ended up ended up surviving uh, by hanging on the side of the trestle as the pain, the train passed. Um, Nineteen eighty eight. There was a 17-year-old girl that was hit and killed by the train and another man that was injured while trying to cross the trestle. In 1994, there was another man that was killed uh, by the train when his ATV overturned on top of the trestle. He was riding across it. Um, He got trapped inside or on the track. Uh, In 2000, there was a 19-year-old that fell to his death after basically just getting hit by the train. And it continues on. Uh, 2019, there was another one. A 15-year-old girl that was dead uh, after um, her and another girl were on the track near the trestle. Um, and so, I mean, and that's just a few. Just a few that I actually have here. Right. You know, that's literally... Yeah, I mean, you think of it like that. You know, a lot of a lot of cryptids, a lot of, a lot of these things that we talk about, you know, live by urban legends. Obviously, this is an urban legend. But the fact... Right that there is such a high body count gives it that much more validity gives it that much more life um i think and really i mean it's gonna live on it's gonna live on forever at this point you know because of how many bodies and how many lives it's taken yeah every time someone goes up there and it kills them it's just gonna reignite the the story exactly Yeah, it's like more another one more goes fuel down. to the fire at that point. Yeah, which I think definitely makes a, a huge difference compared to, like you said, a lot of a lot of cryptids that you know you wouldn't even you wouldn't even consider really. But this one just has that much, you know, that much more that really just adds to it and continues yeah. on with the story and keeps it going. No, like the circumstances of these deaths makes me think like, is this like a siren song situation? Like, is this where like you get up there? And the goat, like the goat man, like draws you in, and then to the point where you don't notice the train coming. Right? Yeah. So that's another thing that's said is that uh, this goat man or the public monster is able to imitate voices. So voices of you know, say you're with somebody and you've been separated, right? And just like in the story, you know, Andrew uh, calls over the walkie, saying, "Is that you? Is that you know?" Thinking because he hears a voice right. of one of them. Um, and it's also said that the uh, the goat man can also get in your head and persuade you to do things. So yeah, it's a very good possibility that they're on this top of this trestle. And and I don't know if you've gotten a chance to look at the pictures, which we'll definitely throw up as well. But this trestle is 750 plus feet long. At its peak in the very center is over 100 feet tall. You know, so yeah, it's treacherous. It, it's massive. And it's this old, like, just beat-up structure, too, that's very rusted and weathered, and, you know, I, I'm surprised yeah. it's still standing. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and a lot of the, a lot of uh, just, even just people that have been around the trestle, that have been walking underneath it, you know, can state that you can actually feel the ground moving. You can feel the ground shaking when a train passes. You can literally see the top of the trestle lightly sway with the train as it's moving over. You yeah, know, that's it, crazy. I, I'm, I, yeah, I'm surprised that it's literally still still active at this point but you know it's it's a very very old structure i can't remember exactly when it was uh when it was put up but it's been it's been up for a long time that's for sure so like if nothing else the public monster has like it has a a pretty terrifying backdrop oh yeah this environment is scary as shit 
Yeah, and then, I mean, if you're out in the area, you literally have a creek on one side, you have a road that goes under the trestle, you have a walkway that's on the other side, and then everything around it just completely overgrown. You can barely, you can barely see your feet in front of you, and, you know, and there's been a lot of, uh, a lot of people that said that, you know, they've been walking just in the field next to it and literally have fallen in these giant two to three feet holes because you can't see them as you're walking because that's how overgrown it is. And the yeah. fact that there's also, I mean, you know, think of snakes and all kinds of everything else that are like lurking in all of that brush and everything is just to me is terrifying, too. Um, yeah. You know, I don't think I'd even want to walk in, you know, walk <laughs> in that area. But then you also have this gated, uh, you know, this gated area that leads to the top of the trestle. You have to basically walk around in this kind of foresty area, you know, that's also extremely overgrown. It's padlocked. But at the same time, I actually watched a uh, a news account after uh, one of the deaths and the news reporter actually showed slipping through the locked gate. And I mean, anybody can slip through. So they're not doing a very good job of actually keeping the shit locked up. So... You know, yeah. it's also kind of on on the town at that point, the city at that point. You know, so that's true. You know, who's to blame here, right? You'd think that after like after one kid goes up there and dies, that they would lock that shit down. They would get their shit together, exactly. Right, but no. They, I mean, it's still it's you know, there's still people going up yearly at this point that are climbing the trestle, that are out looking for, you know, this Poplik monster. You have, you know, cryptid fanatics, basically, that are, you know, and this is one of the most known ones just because of how many, you know, how many people have died literally looking for it. You know, that, uh, yeah, you would think, you would think the city at this point would do something more to really lock it down. Yeah, or just, that's crazy. It, yeah, and that, that was one thing I, I thought, too, is just, it's nuts how easily accessible it is. I mean, every small town has like has urban legends that you know that pervade the youth right like of when course. in our town we you know it kind of reminds me of like crybaby bridge yeah do you remember that from around oh, yeah, here of like except our bridge wasn't a hundred feet off the ground and it wasn't like i mean you know no, what this I mean? is like wasn't 30 active. feet and people have yeah. literally jumped off of it yeah i mean yeah being young yeah people do a lot of stupid shit but <laughs> it just like it's crazy that it has this body count associated with it and they still don't seem to be doing anything to secure it but for us that is one thing that just keeps the story going it keeps it alive so definitely you know i'm not i'm not saying you know let's keep the story alive by continue you know right but you know it's it makes it a lot more of a viable story to be able to tell with how much i mean it definitely has happened it definitely keeps the interest Oh, for sure. Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's one of the big things, too, that, uh, you know, there's still a lot of people that go up there that cross the trestle. And I mean, if you actually look at the trestle, uh, I've seen some videos. And I mean, you know, each, like, actually, uh, whatever you want to call it, uh, each, uh, you know, board on the track, essentially, we'll just call it that without being too technical. Sure. Um, You know, they're slightly spread out of like six inches apart or so. So you really have to be careful walking on it. Yeah. You know, it's not something that you can literally just walk across. It's not a normal train track. You know, it's a giant, it's extremely tall structure that you're literally, I mean, it's, it's as wide as a train track and that's it. Yeah. There's no rails. There's nothing else. I mean, yeah, it, it's nuts. I mean, okay. So here's a question. Are, have there been any like reported sightings of the goat man? Like, like. 
eyewitness accounts. There have been the people. Monster. There have been people that have claimed to see it, and there have also been claims of hearing the goat man, um, right, like screaming, then, or right, and then is that also like goat noises. I mean, it, it, it's been described a lot of different ways. Um, a lot of a lot of screaming for sure. Which I mean, you know, I would personally probably chalk up to how many deaths there's been. There have been there. The area is probably you know just littered with you know spirits ghosts like whatever else i mean just that are still lingering at that point um you know so you may hear screams of people that have you know fallen off the trestle or jumped off or whatever else um you know but they do they do claim to hear screams they claim to hear some some have said to hear goat noises um and then that's also where the whole you know where you can hear him imitating voices and things like that so may hear a voice sure. of somebody that's not really there and you know they're like oh well i need to go here and investigate or find out what this you know what the sound is or who this you know my other whoever is here um you know so i mean there's it's all it's it's all just claims right. obviously we don't have documented footage we don't have you know anything that is technically like you know super like solid rock hard evidence um right you know no footprints or anything like exactly. that. exactly yeah yeah which okay. i would i would love um you know and i would absolutely love to you know have something that would just add that much more to it but you know i think what we have the majority of our, of our evidence at this point is our body count you know right. it really just continues to keep it alive so let's think about this what if what if the public monster is a ghost you think about either of those huh. origin stories, especially considering the the circus, the circus one, where the train crashes, right? I mean, you're looking at almost 100 um, years ago. Exactly. Right. So if it were still alive, it would be decrepit and it would be old. It would be very old. Yeah, right? of course. So what if, what if this... Um, this goat boy, this sideshow character died also in the train crash, but just the angst of his life kept him from crossing kept over him there, and yeah. he became this angry spirit. That's actually not an angle that I considered. Um, I did consider like the age and everything. And that's why I lean more towards like the deal with the devil origin. Right. Because I mean, he could literally live forever if the devil has punished him right. at this point to remain Cursed in this form. to suffer right. for eternity. But if he did originate from a sideshow or a circus, yeah, I mean, he'd be over 100 years old, um, you know, and still actively, you know, seeking out, you know, unsuspecting victims. Right. So, yeah, that's actually a a neat angle. Um, And I I think that's possible. Yeah. And maybe that's why, you know, he can imitate the voices, why he can, you know, appear here or there or also get in people's heads. Yeah. you know, maybe maybe it's also a form of a slight possession where he can you know possess victims to go up on the trestle and wait there until a train falls or until a train comes and they fall or possess right. them to jump or, or, you know, I mean, you know, if we look at it like that, there's so many different angles that we could possibly, you know, even think about. That's and true. so I, I think that's definitely a cool angle. Um Like I said, I'm still all for the double deal. You know, that's that's my preferred. But I thinking about it like that like that also seems it adds a bit more to it and it makes it more more compelling 
just if you you know if you kind of consider that angle right yeah i mean few things sexier than deal with the devil right that's like that's a cool story Very no matter few what things. the exactly. yeah 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 i get that so i'm wondering like if the farmer did meet this guy if you met him at a crossroads like it has to be traditional double deal right. like going down right of course and that's how i'd write it <laughs> obviously <laughs> but you know i didn't i didn't deep dive into his meeting with the devil just uh other you know other than the bargaining but yeah so it also can't be ignored that this is one of many you know cryptids or um urban legends about monsters living under bridges there right? are so many of them literally right. so many yeah the classic troll under a bridge right yep <laughs> yeah yeah, so you I'm can't. just gonna say it. Maybe the Goat Man is an ultra terrestrial. Of course he is, because why the fuck wouldn't he be? Exactly. I mean, it's been in folklore for hundreds of years, right? The troll under the bridge. It's a, it's a, it's a fucking fairy. It's an ultra terrestrial. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, it makes sense. We're gonna go this uh, this direction, I guess. So let's yeah, say I mean, it's, my, it's my favorite direction. Let's say he is an ultra terrestrial, right? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, where where does that where does that lead with the story though? Like, how does that add? Or I guess so. I got maybe the question I'm trying to ask is where does that lead him to be where he is, or why he's doing these things? I mean, the motives could definitely be yeah. questioned, right? So exactly. I don't really know if his if placing his origin as ultra terrestrial really does anything for his motives right because right. it's kind of wide open i mean you know he yeah i i guess so i guess so i mean you know if you look at it like that also you know being ultra terrestrial maybe he just likes to feed on humans maybe he gets off on you know sacrificing or watching people sacrifice themselves sure you know, maybe that's what literally gives him life and keeps you know this species oh i I guess species is the right word this being being that he's an ultra terrestrial sure this specific being is what fuels his (laughs) life form it's his life fuel at this point i mean i i basically think of it as like the classic trickster right that that's exactly what i thought too right yeah yeah so he these people come around based on this legend of him they come around looking for him or her, I guess. Yeah, I, we don't know for sure. Um, and he just like revels in its chance to, you know, to fuck with them, to lure them up onto the tracks, to, you know, take over their mind enough for them to not notice a train barreling toward them until the last minute, and then they leap to their death. That is extremely possible. And I, I also, I did think about the trickster. Uh, kind of, I did, you know, kind of did think about like that trickster route. Because uh, that's what I also, you know, the deal with the devil, like the devil immediately screamed trickster, obviously. Sure. Um, and so then I thought, well, maybe, you know, maybe that is maybe maybe that's him. Maybe that's his entire motive as, you know, he is a trickster. He's there to literally just, you know, fuck with people and get off on on their. Uh, so I th- I think that's, you know, that's and definitely a, yeah. and also an alternate avenue that we can, you know, we can kind of look into a bit. Um, the story also, to me, it like it's a great example of the way that these urban legend characters and these cryptids and things 
are like tulpas, right? It's like they exist because we believe they exist. Oh, yeah. Right? So, like, the fact that this Pope this, wow, this Pope monster, yeah, yep. the fact that it, the belief in it existing has literally killed people, right? So, whether the monster is actually there or not, its existence is, it exists because it affects people, right? Yes. So even if these kids, these these people who are out there looking for it, die just because they're up on the damn trussle when the train comes and they don't have anything to do other than jump off and they end up dying, even if there's no actual goat man involved physically, the like psychological exactly. effect and that, that the and goat that is man my, has had my on entire that thought process on the means whole thing. It exists. Because I mean, whether or not he is real doesn't matter. The fact that he is believed enough. The fact that it has taken so many lives that really fuels his existence. Yeah. You know, because you, you believe in something enough, it can become a thing. Yeah. You know, whether or not it's a physical thing or a mental thing, spiritual thing, whatever it is. It just becomes an aspect in your life. Exactly. And I think yeah. there is enough belief and enough people that have literally died due to this specific thing. That it has created and it has become, you know, a bigger, uh, just a bigger thing, a bigger ordeal, right? And so, and that's, I think that's one of the biggest things to not dismiss as well, is despite whether it's real or not, it's still real. Yeah. It is very real in the fact that, you know, I mean, people have died because of it. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the extreme, the very modern example or popular example now of like, the tulpa is slender man right yeah like a girl literally two girls literally stabbed their friend because they believed in slender man mm-hmm. which makes it real I believe that that was what they were supposed to do and right exactly and being told to do yeah that, that makes it a real part of our world yeah like whether it physically exists or not so yeah i think this is this case is a great example of that oh i i, I mean I, so I many agree people 100%. Having, so many people having lost their lives because of it it's it's crazy it, it, a, an actual physical half man half goat doesn't have to be out in the woods of kentucky for the kentucky goat man to have an impact on the world yeah exactly yeah yeah no you're you you've hit it and i i think that's the biggest kind of biggest takeaway at this point as like i said despite what we think despite what anybody else thinks we can't dismiss the fact that it has been made real at this point yeah I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's physically real or not, but I don't think it. Yeah, I don't think it matters. It doesn't. That that part isn't important to me. Yep, I agree. And so, and that's like I said, and that's kind of the whole the whole premise that uh, I I kind of went with this, is you know the like I said, just even pointing out the deaths, pointing out um, you know the people that get up there again, whether whether this is spiritual, whether it's uh, physical, whether it's whatever it is. You know, it's still going to always be fed by people's belief. And right. so, and and that's, I mean, again, that's literally with anything, though. Yeah, and I, you know, I really hope no one else climbs up there and dies, obviously. Like, if you're from this area and listening to the show, I mean, stay don't off be the a dumbass. bridge. Yeah, like, stay off the bridge. But, but at the like, same time, I think there's always... This- there's always going to pe- be people that have that, you know, 
have that curiosity or that want to, you know, these, um, there's a specific term. I can't think of what it is right now, but it's, uh, basically people that are cryptid fanatics or like strongly believe in specifically cryptids and stuff. Uh, right. but you're always going to have those types of people always. And yep. this is going to be one with how real at this point it's became that is never going to go away. Yeah, I strongly believe it'll never go away. I think there's always going to be, whether it's yearly, whether it's every 10 years, every 20 years, doesn't matter. Like, it's always going to be something that will always be fed and always remain real just due to the fact that people believe in it so much and are willing to literally risk their lives to just try and prove something. Yeah. Now, my question is, what happens when they you know, finally get a little infrastructure funding and replace this bridge and tear it down. I think, yeah. I think you're still going to have the people that are still, you know, he's been around here long enough. Like he's going to adapt or he's going to remain here and it doesn't matter. Sure. Like, I mean, they They're might even like, tear out the entire railway, like that, and that entire route, like all together. Yeah. But there's still going to be people that are going to, you know, that will believe the story will adapt exactly the story will, yeah. will keep going mm-hmm. and it, it'll change it'll definitely change yeah but <laughs> the whole original premise will be there and yeah, i'm still sure gonna it's be changed that a lot over the last hundred years oh i'm sure yeah yeah i'm sure like people somebody will be out there like this is the one remaining post from the bridge where where his circus train crashed yeah so no matter how like if you come out here late at night you can hear him as he parades around this post or something like he'll still (laughs) be there it doesn't matter yeah and people you know it's just it's it's that it's that thing where you believe in something so wholeheartedly that you know it they'll keep it going Somehow, like if you touch the post and say his name three times, you can hear an accordion <laughs> playing in the distance. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, exactly. but you also have to have a flashlight, and you have to turn yeah, off of the course. flashlight. And when you turn the flashlight back on, Beetlejuice, Beetlejuice, then you'll Beetlejuice. Hear the accordion. Yeah, exactly. Or there's going to be a train that's just floating across the sky, and this goat man that's all wild, willy nilly, just rah! like you know, off in the <laughs> distance. Hey, don't make light of ghost trains. <laughs> You're right, yeah. True. <laughs> but I'm saying that if they took the actual the the actual yeah. railway, like the route down, you know. Yeah. But I mean, I, I, I don't think just... they're going to because it's still a very active. It, yeah, it's yeah. still a very active railway to this day. I wouldn't you know? expect them to tear it down, but I imagine at some point they'll get you know they'll get it in the budget to to fix it. I to would hope, it. like, dude, there's like. Even just looking at the base of it, it looks like it's literally falling apart. Is how yeah, bad I mean, it they is. count on they count on that steel to last like centuries, right? But it, there there gets to a point where it's not going to. Yeah, you know, I mean, I understand. I mean, like, unfortunately, unfortunately, in this country, uh, oftentimes a bridge has to collapse before it gets repaired. Oh yeah, yeah, so. exactly. That's how, you know, we do infrastructure the same way we do medical care. Yeah. You got to wait till a crisis and then we'll take and care then of it. And then it becomes a thing. Oh, yeah. I guess we yeah. should probably take care of this. Yeah. Yeah. We've been saying that for the last 50 years. Well, you know, took something to happen for us to actually, you know, pay mind to it. Yeah. 
we didn't believe you until we lost, you know, half a million dollars worth of materials as it fell down on your bridge. Yeah, no doubt. It's it's definitely wild though, and it's something I I think that I've I found I've I don't know, I've 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 grown kind of fond of the story at this point. Like, you know, and, and there's a lot of these that are just I'm just like, eh, you know, it's bullshit, it's it's whatever. It's you know, these are just silly stories, but you know, obviously we're diving into it, we're gonna do whatever. But with this one, there's there's a lot of like you know, there's a lot of background to me that does make it more compelling. Um I you know, to be honest, I'm I'm probably gonna say there's not a half man, half goat. But I don't know. Maybe there is. But you know, going back to the whole what keeps this alive and has made it an actual real thing, you know, that that to me makes it, you know, extremely hard to dismiss. And you know, and that that's what drives me to want to believe in the story. Yeah. And to want to, you know, and not uh not just dismiss this goat man like it's it is a real thing at this point whether it's just you know some kind of mental mentally whatever like just something that's believed in or whatever you know it's enough for it to be so strong to you know take multiple deaths and everything so i yeah i it's one to me i i definitely yeah i'm all for it i think yeah so i i completely i think we're on the same page Like, I honestly don't think I have trouble believing that there's an actual man goat hybrid out in the forests of Kentucky. (laughs) Right. Yeah. But but I don't think that discounts the impact. Agreed. Of the story. Right. I mean, if you mythology is packed with these like animal human hybrids, right? Even specifically goat hybrids like in Roman mythology, the fawn was half goat, I was half say man. The fawn is probably one of the most notable. Yeah, yeah. In Greek mythology, the same thing. The satyr was half goat, mm-hmm. half man. Right. the The Greek god Pan was, I believe, a satyr. Right. The boy with the flute. Yeah. Sorry. So, like, <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, no, but like, it's obviously this is some like deep seated shit, right? The like. The goat man has been around for thousands of years in one form or another. Exactly. Yeah. So and who's to say, you know, this hasn't, you know, hasn't been a thing. But I think, you know, just the existence and, you know, my personal opinion is that I've, I've never seen a half goat, half man. I can't dismiss it. But sure. I think that's, uh, you know, I think that's, you know, kind of just the idea. But at the same time. We have so much that really, you know, is adding is adding to it, and I think you know that's what really drives it. So, yeah, I think we're definitely on the same page there. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of like a lot of this lore, especially here in the U.S., a lot of the lore is kind of like we call them urban legends, but what it really is is like mo- what it really is is modern mythology. Yeah, right. Like, and I think it's just as yeah, culturally right. valuable. Right. It's the these mythological stories and creatures that we've come up with over the last 200 years, I think, are just as much a reflection of our culture as Greek mythology was a reflection of Greek culture at the time. Right. It's it's just as culturally valuable. 
I don't think it's really looked at that way by many people. I th- but I think you're right. Yeah, it's. I, th- I think you know, and obviously we kind of share that. We can kind of take away from you know Greek mythology, we, which we do a yeah. lot. Yep. You know, especially in modern day modern media, things like that, we've taken a lot. Yeah. And this is just an, another thing that we can basically, you know, I'd say that we can add to it. Yeah, definitely. I just, I don't think, um, I don't. I think the cryptids are like are seen as sort of silly by a lot of especially like mainstream people right and i don't know if they're real or not i don't know if the goat man's real or not but i think the story is important like and you know obviously like we said the impact is real whether he is or not i think culturally speaking it's definitely important because i mean how many different cultures believe in specifically these you know these types of cryptids and things like that that you can't just dismiss and say well you know this this seems silly so i i'm not going to believe in your culture or your your beliefs or anything like that so that's another thing like you know that kind of adds to it that's something that should not be dismissed whatsoever yeah i mean a lot of these a lot of them get tied to to you know to other cultures right like when we talked about the kashtaka being a part of the tlingit culture yeah or like skinwalkers as part of the navajo culture right like this but like the public monster is just as much a part of you know kentucky culture mm-hmm. right and things like that you know can't be overlooked right mothman is a part of west virginia culture exactly it's yeah it's just as just as important i think to preserve and to keep alive and you know some of these being lesser known things it doesn't give it any you know any any less of a reason for it not to be just as important right north carolina loves their lizard man you yeah. know like it's, it's yeah. part of their culture yep what no matter how how like silly it seems to people on the outside like it's a part of their culture i mean they have there's a reason why these small towns have these like festivals to celebrate these cryptids because it's like it's a celebrated aspect of who they are right whether or not it's physical or whatever else i mean there's still something there that to to be celebrated you know again just being part of the culture i mean and and that's and that's that's just a big thing a big thing to just remind yourselves i think is just you kind of look at it like that you know obviously keep an open mind um you know whether it's silly or not some of them are sure but at the same time yeah, it's something i have to remind myself too you know is whether i think it's it's real or whether i think it's you know just whatever else it's it's just something you also there's so many people that believe in it wholeheartedly they give it life and and it'll always keep it growing yeah I mean, go to the Pacific Northwest to a small town and tell me Bigfoot hasn't had an impact on oh, Jesus, yeah, on society, right? I mean, it's it's real, whether it's real or not, it's real. Yeah, and I mean, you know, and it it just becomes, you know, it a lot of these just become so big in in media. I mean, there's even video games about Bigfoot and things like that now. Sure, you know, specifically, and then Mothman is such a big one too. Yeah. You've had major motion film or motion pictures, you know, about the subject, you know, who's to say that they're not going to make a Kentucky goat man. There's, there was actually a movie in uh, 80, the eighties, I think it was 1988. It was like a 16 minute short black and white film. 
uh, called, I think it was just called the Poplic Monster. Um, nice. You know, it's it's very, very cheesy, very, you know, just very silly, but it's fantastic for what it is. Yeah, you sold me. <laughs> I highly recommend checking it out. I can actually even yeah. even uh, post the link as well, because, um, yeah, I mean, it was it was like a six thousand dollar production. Extremely cheap. Like I said, very, you know, very, very much a short film, but so good for especially this subject, for sure. Yeah, I'm into it. No, I'll definitely check that out. All right. I think that's going to do it for this episode. Episode 128. The Poplic Monster. A reimagining. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. From the bottom of our weird, possibly alien, maybe ghostly, probably cryptid hearts for listening. We absolutely love having the chance to discuss all these wild creatures and events every week. And it's your continued attention that allows us to carry on. We want to get to know each and every one of you. So please come and check us out on all the socials. At campfire.tales.podcast on Instagram and Facebook. At campfire.totsau on Twitter. And you can also visit our website at campfirepodcastnetwork.com. If you love the show, please rate and review it. It's what truly helps us continue bringing your weekly dose of the strange and unsettling. And a special thanks to Greg Martin at Reverent Music on Instagram for his contributions to the beautiful music that you hear every week under the debrief. You can find more of his tunes at ReverbNation.com slash Reverent. It's fantastic, fantastic stuff. Go give that a listen. And that's it. Until next time. I'm Ryan. I'm Jordan. And remember, campers. Stay weird. And trust in the unknown. unknown.